Hey everybody, this is Bruce from Printavo.com here, Simple Shop Management Software. Today, for our Lessons and Learnings podcast, we're actually going to be interviewing Josh Keen from Threadmonster. As you can see, Steve Farrig from last week's podcast uh, from Campus Sportswear, How to Dominate a Collegeware Market, is here too to co-host. He wanted to hop in, so more, more the merrier. Uh, Josh, welcome, and thanks for taking some time out with us. No problem. Excited to be here. So if you could start, tell us just a little bit about your shop, where you guys are at now, uh, and uh, just a quick overview of, of how you started. Sure. So my shop's called Thread Monster. Uh, we started about four or five years ago um, with $1,600 in a 600-square-foot warehouse. We had a four-color, four-station press that we bought with no name on it and a 600-square-foot warehouse that was about the size of a garage. And... Uh, Kind of just grew it from there. Uh, every month we would put more money, uh, all the all our all our profits back into the company to buy new equipment. Kind of just slowly make it faster, better products. Uh, we learned from from scratch. So you know, YouTube videos and and making a mistake and messing up a shirt and losing money, which is a really really hard way to grow and learn. But uh, it's kind of the way you do it when you don't have any other options. We never worked in any other shops or really even knew how a t-shirt was printed until we kind of just read up on it and did it and once we started doing it it kind of just after maybe six months it finally just clicked and we grew from there and people started knowing that we made printed t-shirts so you'd tell you know your aunt sally that you print t-shirts and your aunt sally tells her friend dan and dan tells john and pretty soon you got 20 new customers you know and uh kind of just went from there um and now here we are we have 3,000 square feet uh one auto we're gonna add at least another auto this year um and look at it just grow uh, tremendously in the next couple of years. Got it. So starting from the beginning there too, um, what what made you guys kind of decide to get into printing shirts specifically? So a uh, little bit about myself. I actually started uh, my, my first company when I was 18. I'm 26. So I started my first company when I was 18. Um, it was a pickup and delivery dry cleaning company uh, where basically I contracted with a dry cleaner to clean shirts and I would go to banks and big office high rises and stuff and go in there and give them a bag. And I'd say, hey, you know, Wells Fargo, here's a bag uh, for each of your employees. And they all put their clothes in there and I'd go and pick them up. And then I'd drop them off at a dry cleaner. Well, I was actually making really good money. We were doing like two or $3,000 a week, uh, profits about 50%. And I was only working like three hours. And I was like, man, this is good money. I was 18 and I was also going to school and playing lacrosse full time. and. So uh, I, I and I'd already, already had a passion for business, so I knew that was where I wanted to go. Um, and then one day I was walking through my college campus, and I was like, "Man, everybody wears t-shirts, like, and t-shirts are kind of like people's expressions of themselves." And I thought that was a really cool idea. And I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna start a clothing company." So we started a clothing company. It was called Beautiful Era. It was it was okay. It didn't do a tremendous amount of sales, but it was kind of just our first foray into t-shirts and. Our first order was $4,000, and we called this printer, and uh, we had them print our shirts, and they were kind of just, they weren't, there was no customer service. It was, it, they were great printers, and I would never say anything bad about another shop, and I won't even mention their name. Sure. They're still great printers to this day, but um, they just, it was like, it was like, we were really, really, really excited about this first order. It was 4,000 shirts, or sorry, $4,000 uh, worth of shirts, and uh, we were just really excited, and they like didn't share our excitement and they, they didn't even like pretend to share the excitement. You know, like I get that you've been doing this for years, but it was it was like I'm giving you all this money and then you're not happy. It's just a process. I'm just another customer in a long line of customers. And I felt like there was a market there to be like 
excited with the customer for their order. Sure. And so that's what we decided to do. We said, screw it. We're going to print our own shirts. And like I said, we, we started with such a small setup and just went from there. And, and, and it was amazing. It was like as soon as you opened up and just were excited with the customer for their order and walked them through it and had any even semblance of customer service, people flocked to that. And, um, you know, I, I like to say we also got a little bit lucky because I think some of business is getting lucky, but a lot of it's just being in the right place at the right time and, and surviving for as long as you can until you could really be successful. Mm-hmm. And so I like to say we kind of got, we got lucky, we were in the right place and we, we do a dang good job, you know? So, so Josh, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, Steve. No, I was just going to ask you, Josh. So now you, I mean, you've had some explosive growth enough, enough to warrant this in five years. Are you still the one interacting with customers a lot or do you guys have like a, you know, what's your office staff look like? Talk to us a little bit about that so our listeners can kind of get a taste of what you're Right, right. About. You know what? It's, it's, that's the hardest part is it's hard finding somebody that can replace you because you're the one that's going to care most about your business. So I was lucky enough that where my business partner, Joey, uh, who's, like I said, he's also my best friend. We've been friends since like second grade. We played baseball together. Our dads both coached us and stuff like that. Um, I'm lucky enough to have like a really good divide between in our business. So I run the business side. I talk to all of our customers. I... I, you know, I'm, I'm the one with the growth plans and uh, going to the bank and delivering shirts to customers and passing out business cards and going to marketing events and all of that stuff where he can stay here and he can really run the shop. Um, right now, it is it is just a lot of me, 18-hour um, days, 17-hour days, just c- talking on the phone all the time, um, you know, emails and all that stuff. And we're really looking to hire some more staff this year. But that was always the one that I wanted to put towards the last because to me it's hard to find somebody that can talk to people like you can, you know, if, if you're, if you're decent at talking to people, that's not a skill everybody has. And some people are kind of awkward on the phone. Some people are a little bit awkward talking to customers and not very many people are going to care as much as you do as, as a business owner, you know, and it's hard to find those, those people that care. So we always focused on, on getting more staff to print shirts. Cause that's not an easy skill either. Most, most people don't know how to print shirts. Most people don't know how to run an auto or, you know, mix a color or, um, you know, sling a squeegee, you know, and so that's the hardest part we have have found about about uh, you know working in this industry is, is find find good people in any position, but specifically printing because it's a lot of quality control. You're printing twenty thousand shirts, and if you mess up, and, and you're printing maybe seven hundred an hour, eight hundred an hour, a thousand an hour. So when you're printing at that speed, not only do you mess up one shirt when you realize you made a mistake, you just messed up fifty shirts or a hundred shirts, and, and the faster you can print, the more mistakes you can make. So we kind of focused on that side of the business and I still take the grunt of uh or sorry the brunt of of most of the the phone calls and emails and stuff like that but we really do need that's like that's like that's the part that's holding us back right now is I need to hire an office staff but it's just hard to get really really good people that that you can respect and 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 trust them to to leave like I just like I said I just got back from Chicago it'd be hard to find somebody that I could leave and just say hey take care of these customers for me because the other thing is the customers know me you know they're your friends they're they invite you to their barbecues at their houses you know and it's like it's hard to get away from that and give it to somebody, put it in somebody else's hands, you know? So how, how many people do you have now working for you? So there's five of us right now. Um, and then we have two part, two, actually we have three part-time people we call in when, we're, when we really need some help. Um, uh, just local people that, you know, uh, looking for extra side jobs whenever they can get them. But we have, we have five people in our shop um, and they kind of, uh, Joey kind of runs, runs and manages those guys and they can run the auto, they can run the manual, they clean screens. Um, usually on, on a Monday, we'll do about you know 50, 100 screens on a Monday and then kind of use them throughout the week. And then if we need more, we'll clean them throughout the rest of the week. But um, 
we either do that or we do kind of Monday and then Wednesday we'll clean a bunch more screens as well. And then those, those guys, we try to keep everybody multifaceted so that they can clean screens. They can also print just because it makes it, it makes it for a better shop atmosphere. You know, some people don't, everybody's different, right? But some people want to have that, that, that something different to do every day. They don't necessarily want to just clean screens all day because it's kind of a, some people find it therapeutic. Some people absolutely hate it because it's just. It's. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I, don't, I doubt you've ever you've ever cleaned a screen, Bruce. But you, you're welcome to come into my shop and clean a screen anytime you want. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 just a process. There's very there's there's steps and you know you you uh, you take off the ink, you take off the tape, you dip it in the dip tank, you pull it out, you wash it off, you spray degreaser on it, then you wash it off again, and it takes it takes anywhere from four to eight minutes a screen. You know, so it's yeah. like it's just a really specific process and a really like it's just some people find it therapeutic because it's, it's like it's like uh you know it's like a rock garden or something you know you just you're raking your rocks in, in a specific shape and you have this 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 goal in, in mind and your goal is just to keep the, the screen completely clean so at the end it's really satisfying to some because it went from ink everywhere and emulsion everywhere to like now it's completely clean and you start over and it's kind of cool but some people hate it so yeah. we try no. not to make it so there's one guy running that one thing all time because then it kind of gets boring, you know. So we want to have some, a little bit of fun, you know. We let different people play their music every day, so there's always kind of different. We got reggae one day, gangster rap the next, you know. But it's fun, uh, and we try to get make everybody happy and make it so they're not bored with their job and they don't hate it and want to leave, you know. How, um, yeah, no, that's interesting. We, uh, I talked to Steve about this. We actually, so Printavo came out of running a print shop, um, and we had a small four by four too. And it could not have been to code building, but it was, it worked, and we were printing a ton for the U of I still. Uh, I didn't even know you. I didn't even know you had a print shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where. That's completely where I was like, man, I, we need something to help keep us organized, and I didn't like anything that was out there at the time. So that's uh, awesome. I, I I had no clue. I thought you were just like a software guy who built the program and just started doing. Bruce it. actually competed with Campus Sportswear. I don't think he knows that or not. But my business partner is like, yeah, we remember that kid when he was in college and. Yeah, we were hustling. I mean, it was it was it's just all you know, like you guys networking. But um, but no, and that's why I like to to talk with you guys too because it's interesting. And you talked too about Josh's customer service, and everyone likes to talk about that we give the best. We're here for the customer. We're number one, right? But what are some more specific things that you think you do that really make it stand out to to the customers? Uh, I mean, I've I've. <laughs> I've driven three hours to drop, you know, shirts off to a customer on a Friday night at two in the morning. You know, like we we really try to go the extra mile to make sure the customer's happy and we meet deadlines. Because if we don't, then it's kind of pointless. You know, if somebody wants a thousand shirts for a barbecue Saturday morning and they're not finished till Friday night, they have to get them before that Saturday morning, and we'll do everything we can to get them there. I mean, we've next day aired things to customers. We printed for Ashton Kutcher one time. We had a next day air to L.A. Um, on a Saturday, uh, and uh, things like that happen. I, I, like I said, I've driven three hours before. I've driven. Um, I finished a job literally, jumped on the the freeway. I live in California, so our freeways are, you know, if you if you pretty much if you leave any time on a weekday, after two, you're not coming back for four hours. You got three or four hours of traffic that you got to work with, you know. So, and you know it's gonna suck, but you just hop on, throw on a podcast, and just drive, and you drop off a box, and maybe even. I think one order was like 24 shirts, but it was just it was just to make the customer happy. You know, you want to make sure that they get what they need and and you provide a good service. And and if you can't do that, then it's kind of there's kind of no reason to be in the industry because 
you're nothing without your customers, you know? Um, have you ever, so, have you, I was just curious, have you guys ever looked at uh, like handwritten cards or, or things like that around the holidays? Sure. Sure. No, handwritten cards are awesome. Uh, we send cupcakes to some customers, um, and I would love to do more handwritten cards, but it's hard. It's hard finding the time. Uh, but you know, you're totally right. I love I love handwritten cards. I know there's also some people that cheat and they do the. You can you can actually get. There's a company out there that'll that'll do handwritten but not handwritten cards. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a yeah. machine. I've seen that I've seen, that'll, yeah. that'll draw with handwriting. It's actually kind of quite. I don't know if anybody would really even notice, but. It's kind of a little cheating because people think it's handwritten, you know. Right. I guess yeah, there's I some statistic. I think it's called like Bond or something. Yeah, there's think, some statistic uh, that says it. like 80 percent of people will um, open up a handwritten card versus like, you know, thirty percent of people will open up a you know a generic you know fake non handwritten card, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. So Josh, do you find like your big wins are more like customer, you know? keeping those customer relationships, like interacting with them so that they bring you more and more and more? Or are you doing a lot of like cold calling to find new orders? Like what's you know your what? it, what's your balance? It seems like it seems like most of your customers just keeping them happy. You know, you call them all the time, you make sure everything's happy. I check up, like not even to sell anything. Like I think that's the biggest thing is people always think that sales is about selling. And it's it's really not. It's about it's about just getting to know people. When somebody says they're getting married, you call them on their wedding day or you know, you email them on their wedding day, say, hey, I hope you have a great wedding. You know, like just like Making sure that they know that you care, and, and like I said, it, it is about business, but it's not. Most of our business is about making friends and making, uh, meeting new customers. But they're not necessarily just customers. You don't think of them as just customers. They're they're people that. Oh, there's Joey back there. He's grabbing his. There's a there's a fridge behind me, so <laughs> he's grabbing his lunch. Um, there's. Uh, it's not always about just sales, and that's why I tell people. People come in all the time, and they're like, "Hey, you know, what about this? What about that?" And I'm like. I'm not a salesman. I, I, I am, and I'm, I'm good at what I do, but I'm not trying to sell you something. You're coming to me for a product, and I'm just trying to help you find that thing that you need. That's that's like, to me, that's like 90% of our job is somebody wants t-shirts. They don't know what they want. They don't exactly have a design necessarily. They have maybe something in their head, but it's it's figuring out what they want and how to get them what they have in their mind's vision, you know? And I think a lot of it's just relationships. It's not necessarily like I, I don't necessarily consider all my customers customers. A lot of them are just friends that that I've met. We've been they've been customers, you know, for five years, and now we're friends. I stop by. I, we have a beer, you know, just stuff like that to make it so it's not just about sales. It's not just about hey, how many shirts are buying this week, and and that really actually does drive sales. It's it's about being honest and open, and not about just being like hey, how many shirts are you gonna buy this week, you know? Yeah. Have you done any um, more specific marketing tech? tactics obviously networking and word of mouth is the biggest most reliable sure. you know, way but have you tried anything else online, so we do, we do instagram we probably get about two orders a week from instagram um what, what are you doing more specifically on instagram uh so the, the biggest thing about instagram i think is it's, it's a lot of it's just a popularity contest you know it's it's how many followers do you have and if you have more followers you look more legit and if you don't, then you don't look more legit. So they're thinking you're just, you know, a small time garage printer. And there's nothing wrong with being a garage printer. I think it's just, it's all about how big you think you are is how big customers will think you are. You know, like if you say I'm in a garage and we're really tiny, then people think you're not really serious about what you do, you know? So it's really hard to get those Fortune 500 companies, those Googles, those, you know, um, uh, those Microsofts, those Apples. It's hard to get those customers if they know you're in a garage. So, a lot of the times you want to say, you know, hey, we're a, a shop. You don't even have to say you're in a garage. You just say, hey, we're a shop over here, wherever, and and you kind of just um, 
you tell them about your business, you emphasize the great parts about your business. And I think a lot of people get mad about being a garage shop. Obviously, we're not a garage shop, but I think a lot of people, a lot of printers out there get kind of discouraged about being a garage shop and people talk down about them. But a lot of it's just like knowing who you are and what you want to be and and playing to those strengths, not saying, hey, I'm a small garage shop. It's, hey, we're, hey, hey, we're a shop. We're over here. We print this many shirts. We, we're great at what we do. Here's a sample of our product. Don't emphasize being small in a garage. Emphasize just how great your stuff is. Sure. And that's kind of what Instagram is. It's, it's just it's all pictures and it's all totally fake in that you're taking pictures of things that you know are going to make you look good. In you don't take a picture of your mistakes. You don't say I mess, messed up on this 50 shirt order. Like here's a picture of it. You know, like it's all it just like all social media. It's kind of like it's the best you, right? Like you don't post like I just got hit by a truck and I'm like, you know, squished on the ground. It's hey, like I'm going to Maui. Look how awesome we're we're having a great time. Sure. And that's kind of like what most of marketing is. It's just posting these good, awesome things. Josh, and, yeah. Didn't you have like a viral? You had viral. You had a viral, and it was just from you screwing around with a foil print, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just recently we went viral. Uh, I mean, semi-viral. We got um. I don't know. I, I think it was like 190,000 views on our on our post, and then uh, uh, Business Insider uh, hit us up, and they want us to do an interview with them. They have 29 million followers, and they want us to do a a 90 second video, and it's really really specific too. It's like they like broke it down like we want a 30 second shot of this and a 10 second shot of this, and we want this and that, and they called it paint, which was a little bit bugged me a little bit because <laughs> it's actually ink and screen printing. Anybody out there listening that's not a screen printer, it's called ink. Um, but no, it's just, it's just, and that's just funny. Most people just joke about that, but screen printers are kind of serious about their ink, so it's called ink. Um, yeah, they contacted us and they want us to do a feature with them, and that'll be kind of interesting. My printers were kind of mad at me because foil's not easy to do, and so they think if people see us doing foil on with 29 million people seeing it, then everybody's gonna want foil now, and we're just gonna be like, you know, for the next two years, it's just gonna be foil jobs. So, oh, yeah. God. Um, but no, so it, it, Instagram and social media is a lot about just popularity and a, a lot of what we did when we first started was just follow people. I would follow people. I would comment. I would like just kind of try to be genuine a little bit, you know. Um, hey, we're Threadmonster. If you guys ever need anything, let us know. But but not not just comment randomly. Just somebody posts about a shirt. Like, hey, does anybody know good shirts places or whatever? And you just say, hey, we're Threadmonster. Please just give us a call if you need anything. And, you know, when somebody posts a picture of their dog, oh, your dog's really cute. And and. They are really cute, but it's also just getting out there and being a person and not necessarily a business. You don't want to – I think a lot of times people just kind of like try to play the numbers game. You know, It's like I'm going to I'm gonna comment on a million things with a generic gray picture, and then they think they're going to get something out of it. And it's not. You're actually going to push people away because they're going to be like, this is bullshit. This person isn't even a real th- – this is just copy-pasted. Sure. That's pretty cool though. So, so- – I'm curious more about that video too. Um, was it something that you guys purposely were like, "All right, we think this is really neat. This is gonna go crazy." Or how did you get that virality started? Uh, to be honest, it just it 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 it, it was it was a, it's a picture. If you look at it, uh, it's this picture of me just pulling the foil off of a gold foil shirt. And the, and the way the process for gold foil is, you print a glue, then you partially cure it, and then you heat press it with the foil. And when you wait till it gets cold, and then you you cold peel it, and it makes this kind of cool sound. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of ASMR, but it's this word that I can't pronounce, and I don't want to look stupid trying to pronounce it. But <laughs> it's it's this idea that you get like these tingly feelings when you hear certain sounds. Like yeah. some people, some people it's whispering, some people it's like um, it's it's crackling, some people it's opening packages. There's like these weird tingles people get. Some people get them from movies or scores or whatever. Uh, and I and I posted that I I think this has a cool sound to it too, 
Um, and it did. It did actually kind of have a cool sound. So when I posted it, I posted it, and it got like all of a sudden it got like fifty thousand views. Like within within a day, it was at fifty thousand. Then I was like, man, this is a good post. I'm gonna boost it. So I boosted it for like three dollars or something. Mm-hmm. And then I posted it on Reddit in their ASMR subreddit um, just to show because it, it, like I said, it was about sounds, and I thought that was kind of cool. Not even not even necessarily to get more business. It was just I thought that was kind of a cool video, and I posted it there because I've seen tons of cool videos there. And then I posted it on a subreddit for printers just to show what it's like screen printing um and then i posted on another subreddit this was all but it had already gone to a hundred thousand views by then but i posted on another one um called ooh, i'm gonna blank on this one something about like uh like things that uh, uh, satisfying it's like satisfying feelings or uh satisfying gifts or something it's like okay. things that just kind of make you feel like it, it's like a cool feeling when you watch it happen yeah. and it is kind of a cool feeling because it's like you peel it and it, and the transfer comes out perfect and you're just like, that's something it's something satisfying about it. It's kind of weird and I think that's why I got a likes a lot of likes is because and a lot of views is because people found it satisfying. They thought it was kind of cool and and I also think people are kind of into shiny things and it's shiny and you know there's that whole deal. But, um, but yeah, no, it was kind of cool. I was kind of excited about it and uh, we'll see where it goes. I don't think I could ever do it again, but but I'll, so I might try. Gosh. Do you use, I know when we talked in Long Beach, you used a couple different tools for social media um, that helped you right, know, right. build up that brand, and you've got a ton of followers. Can you talk a little bit about those? Sure. So we'll, we'll, first, what we started doing is, like I said, you'd like a lot of people, you'd follow a lot of people, you'd do all that. Um, then we started using a tool called Instagress, and Instagress is a tool where you can um, you can program it to like certain types of posts for you um and you can target specific people and you can start target specific industries and it really kind of takes it to a whole new level and the other thing is you don't have to spend like a hundred hours trying to figure all this stuff out on social media it it does a lot of it for you um the only downside is is it, it is a little fake uh you know you don't get to you don't get to have as much um uh, hands-on experience with new customers, but the same thing is if if you actually keep track of everything when you when when you when somebody follows you, you check them back out, you like more of their stuff, and it kind of ends up working out because you kind of you basically end up filtering these people, right? So not everybody's gonna like your brand, not everybody's gonna like your your shop, not everybody even needs T-shirts, right? But people that do follow you back because you like something of theirs, you can go check out their stuff and be like, oh, this is awesome. This person does, you know. Um, Hand painting, right? They're hand painters. And like, that's a cool craft too. And it's kind of similar to what we do. We use ink, they use paint, we use color, they use color. Um, you know, it's fun to check out other crafts, you know? Or this guy's a landscaper. You can message this landscaper and be like, hey man, like, love your guys' landscaping. We're in California, you're in California. If you guys ever need any printing, let me know. We could do your business cards and your brochures and all that stuff. We'll help you market. And, you know, it's an easy, it's an easy sell, you know? Um, and, and you've already kind of brought them through the funnel, if you will in that they already kind of like you because they liked your Instagram, so they must not hate you. So then you kind of got a little bit of an in in that they know who you are and they've seen some of your stuff, you know? What, what was that called again? What, what uh, the, the program? Yes. It's called Instagress. Cool, Instagress. I-N-S-T-A-G-R-E-S-S. I don't have anything to do with them. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's good, I wish for, I did. that's good for people to know. I think people, you know... Um, are interested in always seeing tools, especially maybe older print shops. They're like, okay, what is all the social media stuff going on? So as you guys have used that and, you know, looking at your Instagram, you guys have 13,000 followers. 
which is definitely impressive, especially in a smaller, like more niche industry, uh, which is really cool. So there's Instagram, which is big. You talked about being genuine and, and speaking to people, commenting on people, liking people, following relevant people, uh, trying to automate that process to make it more scalable. Were there any other social platforms too that you utilized to help grow, or was Instagram um, majority? It's most. It's honestly, it was. It was mostly Instagram. And, and but the but the biggest thing is, it's like it's like it's it's kind of a popularity contest. Like I said, so but and, and it does so many different things. People just think it's like followers equal customers, but it's not necessarily that. It's like a lot of people may not even be on Instagram, but then when they go to your website and they're like, I want to check out what this person's done, they'll click on your Instagram and they'll see you have fourteen thousand followers and like. This place is legit. It's not some, you know, small shop somewhere in the middle of nowhere. It's like these people look legit, so I'm gonna I'm gonna work with them. It gives you it gives people a, a, a feeling of like reputation. It's like sure. It's like it's up there with like good reviews. You know, it's like but these people have a bunch of people watching them, so they must be kind of cool. They must be super legit. So then when big customers come to you and they're like, hey, we want a hundred thousand pieces, they know they can trust you because you have all these followers. That's kind of what it does. It's not just about followers equals customers because those customers follow you so they're going to buy something it's also just about a reputation and you're building something it's not like this per- like you you know and it, and, and it helps a lot of things but you know now that these people aren't a fly-by-night corporation they they've got tons of followers they've got tons of pictures these pictures have been updated once every two weeks for the last four years you know there's something there there's a trail to follow you know yeah. and it just gives you it gives you a, a sense of legitness a sense of um a sense of permanence, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Right. Uh, but, but that's mainly the one we use. We also do Facebook, but we we a lot of times we do Twitter too. But to be honest, a lot of times it's just it's a it's an Instagram post that we cross post to Facebook and Twitter, um, because I I was never big on tweeting. Uh, I don't know. I kind of think that missed my that missed my my radar at the time. Um, I kind of didn't get it. I kind of still don't get it to be completely honest. But uh, but yeah, we post pictures on there just just direct from. Our Instagram, um, and that's the main tool we use. Is we used a couple other tools, like um, I think there's like Hootsuite, and you can use that to kind of like uh, post. You, you can also schedule posts, which is really cool. We've never done that feature because I'm I'm kind of a fly by night kind of guy, but you can uh, uh, you can you can like schedule posts um, like months in advance. I'm not good at that. I'm like I, I take a picture right now. I'm gonna post it. Um, I'm not good at the whole. I, I can't take like 50 pictures and then write like captions for each picture and then schedule them out for the next two months because i'm just not good at that mm-hmm. <laughs> some people are I think, I think a lot of people are the same way josh and i think the one big takeaway i take from like meeting you looking at your shop um knowing that you kind of built it from nothing is your social media presence um, makes your business look like it's some crazy shop with like 15 automatics or something right like that. right and right. that's 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 awesome i think that that if, if there's listeners out there that can see you can build up your brand and still be a garage shop so that when the day comes, you know, and your shop is big, you can start to boast about your shop. But really that like external face, I think customers don't need to see um, the insides. I mean, we have a hideous shop. It's not pretty by any means. Um, and I don't show people that we're on a second floor and we take shirts up with a forklift every morning. You right. know, it's like I let them know that I can deliver 20,000 shirts to them. Um, right. That's them. all that matters. And, and the other thing is, like I said, I, I don't want anybody to think I'm saying anything bad about garage shops. To be honest, I wish I had my own garage that was big enough to hold my shop. I would love to be in a garage because it's your overhead's so low. You're paying for your house, but you're also paying for your business. It's like it's a no-brainer. Your, your, your cost of doing business is so much less. We have to pay you know, $3,000 a month to rent our building. I would, I would rather not pay $3,000 a month. Area. So, yeah. jo- 
Josh, could you? You're the uh, the infamous founder of Screen Printing Pros on Facebook, right? <laughs> I guess infamous is a term you could use. Uh, infamous? No, I'm just kidding. But could you tell us a little bit about that? How you started? I mean, it is the most active screen printing group right now, um, and I think a lot of listeners would be interested to hear about how you started that, what it's done for the industry. Um, sure. Can you some light on that. Yeah, you know what? I think I think it was kind of my cheat code. Um, I know a lot of people talk about cheat codes, or and it kind of bugs me people use this word, but I'm going to use it right now, and I'm going to bug people. Uh, it's like my hack that I kind of used in the industry, and in that, you know, I knew what I knew, and I'm going to steal this term from Greg Kitson, who I just went to his class, but I'm going to steal his term, and, and you you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. So I knew what I knew. I knew our industry. I knew how we printed, but that didn't necessarily it was no. That didn't necessarily mean it was the right way to print. It didn't necessarily mean that we were getting the best of the best. I only knew it was best compared to what we had done before, and what we had done in the future, and what I'd seen at like Walmart. You go to Walmart and you see these prints and they're crappy. And I'm like, I could do better than that. But what is the best? And I really do want to be the best. That's that's. I mean, I don't think you should go into any industry and, and not be the best. You, you either be the best you can be, or there's kind of no point. I mean, yeah, you can make money, but you can make money doing anything. The point is to be the best. So I, I, I'm telling you right now, I want to be the best printer in the country one day, um, and I'm working towards that. But uh, so I started this group. I started this screen print pros, and and it was a lot of questions on some other groups had been like, you know, what's the best white ink? Well, it's not necessarily about your ink usually. Usually it's your meshes or your the way you're coating your emulsion, or it's your humidity or your or your temperature in your shop is is messing with your white ink because it's too cold and your your white ink's not warmed up enough to flow cleanly through the screen or your squeegees aren't sharp enough or there's so many other things other than your ink that could be the problem you know it's um and so those questions kind of started to bug me because it was like it's 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 also it's not even necessarily just a question of which one's the best it's also for your business right we're all businesses and the business answer would be that it's the place, it's whatever brand the local place carries or the other local place that can deliver next day or the place you can go pick up from. Like those are all things you need to think of. When you're printing 30,000 shirts and you run out of white ink, you need somewhere you can go who knows you, who you have a good reputation with that you can just be like, hey, I need some more white ink. Can you deliver some over? Or, hey, I'm going to be there in a couple hours. Can you can sure. you throw some or stay a little bit later and let me pick this up? That's huge. I mean, yeah, you're going to be as organized as you can possibly be, but you never know what's going to happen. You could get – I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they were saying they got an order like last minute for something huge, a couple thousand pieces, and they called their, their T-shirt supplier, and their T-shirt supplier was like, hey, I, you know, I could stay – we'll stay like two hours later, and you can come pick these up. You know, If you don't have that reputation build up, if you don't have those those places you can go, if you're not friends and you're not friendly when in you're industry, that's a huge thing too. you got to be friendly with everybody in the industry because you never know when they're going to end up at the place you need a, a, a favor from. You know? So anyway, I'm, I'm sorry, I kind of go circuitously in, to answer these questions, but long story short, I wanted to start a group for professional printers so we, we could all learn what we didn't know. You know, Somebody the other day posted about a sticker machine, right? So these guys are printing for the Patriots or the Cubs because they won the Super Bowl in the World Series, and they got to add these little holographic stickers, and there's a holographic sticker machine that I would have never known about, and I guess it makes things way faster because you're printing 30,000 pieces, and, it, and when it comes off the end of the belt, you, the little sticker will pop up and it's just really easy to grab and stick whereas if you have to like peel and grab and stick i guess it adds you know another three seconds that you don't have time for and things like that but you would have never known that you would have never known there was such even a machine if you didn't know if you weren't if you weren't if if, if you weren't in that that instance to know that if you never worked in a shop that had one of those right or you didn't weren't at the show where they introduced them or whatever so this guy posted a picture about it and a lot of people were like oh that's so cool i didn't know there was such a thing and Little things like that, and they all they all add up to give you a, a great knowledge base and a great 
historical knowledge of the industry. And, and to me, that's that's I really respect this industry. I, I really love it. There's there's guys that like, uh, it, I mean, I'm not sure uh, all the people that are gonna be watching this, but on the on the printer side, a lot of printers don't even know that. I mean, obviously the, the public wouldn't know, but a lot of printers don't even know that originally when they started screen printing, you you had to cut out all your graphics. It wasn't you didn't print a film, you didn't CTS or DTS or whatever. It was it was you cut out a stencil on on um, on some uh, ruby lith, and then you had to layer your layers and all this crazy stuff. And like our industry, we don't do any of that anymore. So those guys yeah. that have been doing it for like 35 years, it's amazing the craft that they, I mean, their craft is, it's, it's a real like craft. next, yeah, it's a craft, it's next yeah, level. Sure. And, and I, I, I still consider what we do a craft, but theirs was, it was harder back then, you know? And like, I love that history of it. I love these guys that have been printing for 30 plus years. And they're like, yeah, we used to do it this way and it took, Ten hours to print one film, you know, and it's like it's like, or to print, sorry, to print to print one, to set up one shirt. It took like ten hours because they had to cut all the films and stuff, and that's that's amazing. That blows my mind, and I I love that man. So I I love that I started this group, and I um, it kind of grew itself. You know, we have seven hundred twenty members, I think now, and um, we also wanted to make sure that it was like it was kind of like on that next level. It was you have to even either be in business for four or five years, or you have to have an automatic press, and um. It's just kind of grown from there, man. It's been it's been crazy. It's been it's been a lot of fun. And then I just went to Chicago and I got to stay with Justin, who I met in the group. And he was just like, "Yeah, come on, stay with us. Stay, stay with me. You know, no problem at all." And it's like that's really freaking cool too. And I met a bunch of them at this class I just took. And you know, I, I almost want to go on a tour and just meet everybody. You know, I'm coming over there next, Stephen. <laughs> We're waiting for you. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's yeah. That's really neat. Uh, uh, especially because I feel like a lot of the forums. On the screen printing side, like the old, more traditional forums aren't as sure, active sure, sure. anymore. T-shirt um, forums or right. the shirt board or yeah. yeah, they're great. There's there's definitely s- still some activity, but the Facebook groups are considerably more active now. Um, and, and there's definitely a good amount. Specifically, your screen printing pros, there's 700 plus really active members, which is great. And obviously, the more activity trumps the in quality of, of posts trumps the number of users. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. There's been a lot of really great information that's been shared in there. It, it seems like there's this definite constant trend of you really utilizing social media to help not only grow your, your kind of knowledge base side, but also help on your business side too, uh, which is pretty neat to watch, especially for using tools like Instagram and uh, Instagram and, and, and obviously the genuine networking and, and and just meeting people and networking that way has has helped to grow where are you guys at now revenue wise uh so right now i think this last year we did about six hundred thousand dollars um with a profit of about 30 ish percent um and we put we put a lot of it back into the company uh again just because i'm i'm super low maintenance i i love making money i have a couple other sources of income as well but um, I love making money, but I don't care about the money at the end of the day. It's like to me, it's it's the craft, it's the business, it's it's starting companies. It's kind of like a, it's like my it's like my crack. It's like my it's like my drug, man. It's like I love starting companies. I love watching them grow. I love. It's like I don't know if I'm ever gonna have kids, but to me, I think it's like the idea of having kids. It's like you 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 start it and you watch it grow, and it's like it's phenomenal to watch it and build it and help nurture it and and talk about it and. And the biggest thing I've realized is it's about having passion, man. If you have passion for something, it really shows in what you do and anything you do. And it grows so much faster when you have passion. I've seen people start businesses because they think they're going to make a lot of money on it. And 
they don't have the passion and it, and it doesn't show and, and you, you watch them try to sell it and they're like, yeah, this is my product and this is what it does. Isn't it awesome? And it's like, do you care about it? Do you, do you, do you love this product? And you really feel it in people that do love it. And I don't know. I can't, I can't explain it, but, but yeah, so, 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 so we've done about $600,000 this year. Uh, I think we're going to try to do about 1.5 million. I know it's a really lofty goal, but I like to put lofty goals out there and just try to meet them. Um, we're going to add another auto, which will basically double or more our production um, and grow some more. We're going to add a storefront. We don't. We actually don't even have any signage up. Uh, we've never put up a sign. Um, just hmm. literally, you, you pull up at our door, and we have a number on our door, and that's it. Um, so we don't really do a much of the walk-in customer crowd. Um, even though we're on a street that gets about 100,000 cars a day, across you from McDonald's, it's got a double drive-through so that you, you'd get like, you'd probably get at least a thousand cars a day seeing you through that. But we were just too busy. Um, and we're really lean. We have, like I said, we have five employees, um, but we're, we run pretty dang lean. Um, I'm not, not necessarily a penny pincher. I like value for money. Um, sure. So we've, we've, we've gotten kind of lucky. I buy a lot of things used and we've bought, I mean, I, some people are, it all depends on the type of business owner you are. I love Craigslist as a business owner. I love uh, Digit Smith, which is where you can buy a lot of used screen printing equipment. Um, I love there's a. I also run the used screen printing group on Facebook, which is like 3,000 members, and you can grab um, you know a press from a guy anywhere in the country, and you can he'll ship it to you and whatever. And uh, that's cool too. I think we bought a couple things off there, and it's been fantastic values. Um, you know, you buy something that somebody bought three years ago for one fourth the price and it, it's the exact same it's made of metal you know like what i mean unless he unless he threw it on the ground and stomped on it like nothing's gonna break on it you know sure. so you get it you get a better deal and and that really helps you take home more money in the long run you know squeegees and flood bars they're just metal pieces and squeegees are just metal holders you add a new squeegee and it's brand new um sure. things like that you can always find somebody going out of business or somebody getting out of the business or somebody who thought they were gonna be huge and they had to you know slim down and there's always deals out there to get, and they really help your business grow and get better discounts and you know, be more efficient, I guess. Yeah, um, Josh, what, what I'm hearing, and I, I see this because I've seen a lot of shops that have come to me and like, we're not making money, and you know, I ask for the revenue numbers, and it, what I'm hearing is that if, if you want to grow in your early stages of your, of your business, in your first five years, you guys are doing everything in the business. You, know, you guys are the ones taking the orders, delivering the shirts. You guys are the ones doing the marketing. I don't know if you guys do your own artwork or not, but um, you know these you guys don't really actually, have much actually, overhead. All, actually, all of my employees are graphic designers as well. Yeah, so you don't have much overhead in the sense no. that you're paying use. You know, you, everyone's got you know a plug in the machine, and it doesn't seem like you add anything unless you absolutely need it in that threshold to go to the next level. And I think the one thing I'm noticing in smaller shops, you know, even in my shop, you know, we broke seven figures. And, you know, we finally hired an office manager. Before that, it was like me and my business partner taking all the orders. And I didn't truly understand what that meant. I just wanted to go out and, like, hire people and have my own staff. But until you can really validate it, you know, adding one employee, there has to be some, like, marginal cost to add one more employee. Because then your job changes significantly. You're not going to management. You're not doing a lot of more different your staff and so I think you know I, I applaud you for that for keeping it really lean for buying used equipment for not going out and you know not not saying leasing is a bad thing but I see these businesses no, that are just like over leveraged you know sure. and that are going and paying two thousand dollars a month for an MNR that you know that 
that you know I need now and my you know I'm looking for that big gauntlet now after doing over a million bucks of business but if you're just starting out that shop that garage shop's not a big deal staying lean doing your artwork not a big deal cuz you're going to save so much money and time and then you're going to own and learn your industry so much better Sure, I'm I'm one of those guys. I'm I'm kind of against debt, and maybe it's just because of my age. And I I was in I was in high school in 2008 when our economy crashed. But I hate debt. I I I don't want to have any debt. Our our business is 100% debt free, and uh, that's the way I like it. Um, that's and I, and I and I'll tell you right off. I could grow. We could grow 10 times this year if I wanted to. If we wanted to go into debt, I could I could take a huge amount of debt. I can go out and advertise. I could hire 10 more people. We could grow fast. That's but that's not the point. You grow fast, but to to what business? Like, what if next year we have a downfall in our economy, and and then you know now you've got all this equipment, you've got all this money that you owe money on, um, and 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 your 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 uh, your overhead is so huge. You know, we have no debt. Basically, we pay for our rent, our utilities, our employees, and then uh, you know our insurances and all that kind of thing. But it's a very very low number at the end of the month. You know, so all we have to make is you know I think we have to make. Six thousand dollars a month, and that covers, or maybe it's eight thousand dollars a month, and that covers most of that. Everything else on top of that's profit. And most shops are going to make between, you know, twenty and forty thousand dollars a month, and that's totally cool. After if you have eight thousand dollars in expenses and you're making forty thousand dollars, let's just say twenty thousand of it is 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 um, you know your cost of goods and inks and all that stuff. I mean, you're making like twelve thousand dollars a month, which is which is okay. Um, and 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 yes, like I said, we could grow a lot faster. I could take a lot of debt. That's totally cool, but. I don't. I don't really want to. Um, I'd rather not have debt. It, 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 it's kind of a stressful thing. It's on your shoulders. You got to think about it all the time. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I. 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 I, um, I watched some family members lose tons of money when when these companies crashed in two thousand eight. You know, like, um, um, you know, they they lost seventy, eighty thousand dollars on these companies like Bear Stearns. Uh, Bear Stearns was around for a hundred plus years. They were a financial institution. They were like a pillar of our finance market, you know? And they crashed. They were gone in an instant. And I don't want to be like that. Uh, I don't want to have so much debt that I can't just, you know, uh, you know, grind it out if I need to. Um, my whole idea is that if there was ever a bad turn in our economy, we would be totally fine. We have, you know, forty thousand dollars in the bank cash to to keep our reserves high. Um, and if if anything happens, we're gonna scrounge for the next year or two, and we'll stay around because because we can. We have no debt. But those guys that have, you know, five six thousand dollars of 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 or maybe maybe even two thousand dollars a month of debt plus your plus your you know your rental space or you know all your other your car payments your lease payments whatever, it all adds up really really quickly. Um, and yeah, so that's what I, that's I'm, I'm totally on your end in that. I work. I work 18 hours a day. I, I don't think anybody else can. I, I don't think everybody else can do that. I don't think I'm special, um, but I think it's hard for people to realize that that's what it takes to be a small business owner is to to really grind it out until you don't you don't have to anymore. My goal was to work these 18 hour days and not complain about it until I'm I'm 30, and then maybe I'll take a step back. I'll hire some more people. I'll let somebody take over my position. But I really wanted to just grind it out until we were big enough that. I didn't have to anymore. You know, I could take a step back, maybe travel a little bit more. I just got back from Denmark, and uh, I didn't want to leave. Uh, but, 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 yeah, I, I loved it, um, and I want to. I want to. I, I would love to do that more. But you can't with a small business owner. You got to run your business. You got to be as lean as possible. You got to make money, and um, don't watch all these like shows where these people have like hundreds of employees and think like that's where I need to be. Um, 
I think a, a big thing that, that I think I see in our industry is people don't know what they want. You know, like, what is their goal? Like, what, what is your goal as a business? But what is your goal personally? Like, do you want to work 80 hours a week for the rest of your life? Sure, cool. That's totally cool. Do you want to work a normal schedule, maybe 30, 40 hours a week? Do you want to work 20 hours a week? Like, what would make you happy? I think people need to, to definitely, like, write down their goals and use those to to, to to forecast their business, you know? Because not everybody's meant to work all those hours. Not everybody's meant to not see their family or go on vacations or things like that. You really gotta set these goals and then try to try to get to them as 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 um, you know, as your business grows. And people see like people see these businesses with 10, 20, 30 autos and they think like that's gonna be me, but do you know how much stress that is to have forty autos? I mean it's insane. I'm I, honestly, I'm telling you right now, I'll be happy with three. I think we're gonna get three autos, and I think we'll we'll stop and we'll just grow our business. And if we have to ever go to two shifts, maybe we'll go to two shifts. But I don't even know if I want to do that. I want to have a, a great medium-sized business that runs three autos. That we also do signs and banners, and maybe eventually we'll build websites and stuff too. But you just gotta figure out what you want. And not everybody wants the same thing. You don't need to be the biggest shop in the world to for people to respect you. You know? Sure. Those are great. Uh, those are great points, Josh. I really appreciate the giving the honest feedback, especially about the business and where you guys are at. I think to wrap up, um, what would in one minute? What's a piece of advice that you feel like you'd like to share with other owners? It could be a lesson that you've learned, small, large, anything like that. Ooh, that's a hard one. I didn't think about that. Um, a lesson. There's so many. I think. I think. My biggest lesson would be to, to, to look at other businesses, not in our industry, but just look at other businesses in other industries. Look at like big scions of business like um, like uh, Warren Buffett or um, – I'm totally blanking on the guy from Virgin uh, – Richard Branson or – look at those guys. Those guys, they're, they're, they're pillars of, of, of business in general, but – you can look at their mistakes too, and, and they'll 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 if you if you ever read any of their books, they'll readily tell you all of the mistakes they made. But just look at other businesses. Um, I was telling somebody the other day about a, a company that, I, and I forget even what product they made, and I don't remember their name, but they made something for iPhones. And I Apple became you know seventy five percent of their business, and then Apple one day was like, we're not going to make this component anymore, and and we got to. Um, you know, so, so we're not going to use you anymore. And they lost 75% of their business and they went under because they grew so big to facilitate this one customer that they didn't realize that when that customer is gone, now they're kind of screwed. And you got to take these lessons from these other businesses to, to, to hopefully not make them. Um, and they say history's uh, around so we don't repeat our mistakes, even though everything's cyclical and we end up do make, making the same mistakes. But if you really check out a lot of other businesses, you'll easily learn some lessons that you don't have to make yourself. Um, that could, you know, potentially hurt your business in the long run, you know? Sure. Well, I appreciate it again, Josh. I know you're a super busy guy. Steve, likewise, too. Thank you guys for, for coming on. And I um, appreciate the intros, too. We'll definitely reach out to them as well. And hope you guys have a great rest of the week. Yeah, thank you. Take Thanks care. for having me. Super. See you, Josh. All right. Bye, Later. everyone.